Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church's podcast, where we are taught by the Word and led by the Spirit. I hope today's message encourages you and challenges you to draw nearer to Jesus. All right, y'all. A lot of times we're like, you know, churches, you know, it's the worship and it's the prayer. And, and, and the reality is I've come to really, really, really treasure just being together. Um, and I, you'll notice there's kids in the room and they're probably going to cry. Uh, they're probably going to crawl under the seats. They're probably going to do a lot of things. And what you'll see to start happen, especially as you get a little older, I'm 40, I'm not that old, but you can almost feel it happen where you're like, someone did tell that kid to shut up, (laughs) right? But what that's doing is revealing that you think what's going on with you is more important than what's going on with them. And so just being together is part of sanctification, which is I wanna wanna love that family. And so I just wanna say we love you families. Uh, Kids, I'm so glad you're in the room today. Uh, And I've said this before, I'm gonna try to talk short because I knew you'd be here every time I've ever said that. I'm gonna try. Uh, And really the topic we've been on this last month is what is God like? And it's it's the fascination of my life. Like, what is he like? Uh, And not what do people tell me he's like? Not what do the, the camps tell, like the different camps of denominations and churches, what is God like? But what is he really like? And if you're here, I'm assuming you're, you're somewhat on that same journey trajectory. I want to know God. And so if we sat down and I said, hey, kids, what's God like? What do you answer? And that answer we talked about, it really changes how you live. Because if God is distant and far off and mad at you, you will live like this. A little bit like, is he going to drop the hammer on me? Or if God is close and loving and like a father, You'll pray different, you'll say things different, you'll live different, you'll spend your money different. And so really, what is God like? And so often, I feel like you can fill that in. Like, if we were to sit honestly, we could say, the Lord is gracious. Is the Lord gracious? Yeah, and you'd say amen, because he's been gracious to a guy like me and men and women like you. And I can recount the times in my life. Can you recount the times in your life where God's been gracious to you? Is God faithful? And why do we know that God is faithful? So we can, number one, we can do it on a personal level. Like he's been faithful to me when he said he'll save me and never leave me. He never has, and I'm still still his. Then you can go scripture and you say, God makes a covenant with a man named Abram who becomes Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons, right? That guy. And he promises that he's gonna bless the whole earth and that his descendants will be as many as the stars in the sky or the sand in in the desert. And then Jesus Christ, a son of Abraham, is born. And there are many spiritual sons and daughters in Christ. So yeah, God is faithful. Is God holy? Absolutely. And so we can, we can make some lists. But when you start talking about knowing God, uh, I just sat and I pondered this all week. So often when we talk about God, we're like, well, let me tell you his attributes. Let me tell you his characteristics. He's holy. He's loving. He's kind. And really, I was scheduled today to talk about God is love. Is God love? And why do we know that? Why do we know that God is love? Where do we hear that phrase? In what book that you should have? It, thank, yes, kids. Thank you. 
the Bible, fool. That's what she's like, the Bible. The Bible tells us, 1 John's going to go in great lengths to say, if you don't love, you don't know God. And I wanted to kind of contrast that our world has this idea that if you're loving, then you'll accept everything people do. But then I really felt kind of like a swing in me of like, okay, we talked about God is omnipresent, which means he's what? Everywhere. We talked about how God is omniscient, which means he has all knowledge. He knows all the things. So you in this room, I don't know where you were last night, but who does? I don't know if you want to be here or not right now, but who does? I don't know what sin you have in your closet back home, but who does? Right. So we've went, that just like, some people that freaks them out, they're like, I can't hide from him. And I'm like, yeah, you can't hide from him. So when I pray, I'm known. And when I come to God and I've not had a good week and I struggled, I don't have to be like, God, I'm so happy that I'm blessed by you and act like it's not good because he has all knowledge. And then we talked last week that he's omnipotent, omnipotent. He has all the power. If God wants it done, it don't get done. That's, that's anyway, it's going to get done. It's going to happen. And then I thought, hmm, we've talked about God's attributes, but we really haven't talked about, well, let's talk about getting to know him. Do you know God? I heard a yes from a small voice, and that's just like beautiful. Because it doesn't matter if you're five or 85. Everybody in this room was made by God for God. And Jesus Christ came on a rescue mission, not to bring you to some superficial observant knowledge, but an intimate communion with God. And so I don't know, maybe you just came for a baby dedication. And you're like, I can't wait to get out of this room. Great. But first thing you need to know is God wants to walk with you. He died on a cross 2,000 years ago so that he might. And if you want to know God, today you can. The reality is a lot of us, uh, we, we don't make God the biggest part of our view. And I think that's what's kind of haunting Christianity these days. So we want to know God. I want to know that God is loving because I want to know that I'm loved. I want to know that God's patient. So that how's that play out for me? So a lot of times we approach God for us. But God is self-sufficient. That's one of his attributes. His imminence, his immutability. It's a lot of big words that we sit and we stare at and people make charts of. Actually, I found a chart and I was going to print it off. But then I was like, that'd just be a waste of ink. And they make big charts and they cross-section them. And they're like, this is God's attribute here. And we memorize these attributes. And then we're like, do you know God? And they're like, I think I do. Well, I'm like, did you? Do you, do you talk to him? Do you sit with him? Can you feel God's presence? I mean, that's a, I'm, I'm not even asking like right now. I'm saying, is that a possible thing that you can do as a human? And you start asking these attributes. Like, and the reason we're doing this whole month is we want to make God the biggest part of our view at Cobblestone. Not you. Which in American Christianity offends people. So this church isn't about you. It's about, right. This whole sermon can't be about you. It must be about the whole Bible is not your story. It's whose? God's. And so really, I know that seems like you're like, duh. Who thought it was about people? A lot of people do. 
A lot of people come to church because they're like, what about me? How am I going to get fixed? Where's God going to fix me, 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 me? But a me-centric theology will only take you this far. A God-centered theology will expand your whole world. And so we want to make God the biggest part of what we, we want to study him. I want to stare at him. And if, if Moses can sit with God in a tent of meeting and talk to him like a friend, I want to learn how to do that. If Jesus Christ says that anyone that comes to me, they must believe it. When they receive me, they'll be born again, and then they'll be a whole new person. I want to do that. And then I want to learn how to walk with them and talk with them. I want to know. I want to know them. But what we do is some of you right now in this room, if we could actually talk honest, but we're in church, so we'll lie. But if we could talk honest, no, you know what it is. Like you come to church and you're just like, people ask you, how you doing? You're like, your marriage is on fire. You just slapped your kid the other night. And you're like, how you doing? You're like, never been better. Just so blessed right now. Little struggles at home, but we're good. You know, sanctification's real, right? <laughs> you laugh at Like that's what we do. But if we could talk honestly, and I said, do you know God? Some of you are here and you long to know him. But we get so used to being far away from him that we write whole theologies that make him very far away. Now, God is holy, and God is glorious, and drag, I mean, I, can't, I run out of words, beautiful, glorious, magnificent, whole, awesome. And so on some level, yes, he's big, far, unattainable, but through Jesus Christ, what does God do? Comes real close. And last week, Jeremiah talked about in many ways in the times last, God spoke by the prophets. But in these last days, he spoke by who? Jesus. And so Billy Graham, everybody know that name? He once famously said, most of us know about God, but that is quite different from knowing God. All right? So I, and when we talk about knowing a thing, yeah, let's, just, let's just practice. So here's this, okay? What is this? Okay, great. And then you, you could say, okay, I want to know, know this plant. Sounds a little weird. All right. What, what's the plant like, kids? Tell me something about it. It's tall, all right, so that we could say something similar about God. God's big, right? But, okay, this plant's tall. What color is it? It's green. No, it's white. No, it's black. No, it's, it's green. She's really insistent that this is a green plant. Love the feedback. This is good. Tell me something else about the plant. It's, it's, it's bushy. It's, I don't, you know, I could go, we go all the details. And that's kind of what we do with God sometimes, right? And then some of us, because we were, we're going to go to school and seminary, we're going to start, we're going to stop talking about God. And then we're going to start talking about the things that hold God. We'll start talking about the temple and the tabernacle and all the things that go with God. And then we'll talk about, all right, well, the church, it holds up the truths of God. And we'll start, we got, start setting up these ideas and these knowledge points. And it's not bad. Because you can follow God in Scripture, and you can find out a lot about him. You read the Bible. Actually, we love the Bible here. It is the base for knowledge of God because it's his self-revelation. It's God showing off who he is. It was God's intention that the prophets and the kings and all the people of God would write this down. Moses, write this down so the people won't forget. So who's God, whose idea was it that the Bible would be where it is right now? God's. Why? Because he wants to be known. When we read the Bible, sometimes, though, you can read it and you can find out God is holy. And we find out that God is holy 
when Moses approaches the mountain of God and it's on fire and smoking and the people tremble in fear and then God goes, I am holy, don't let them come up here or they'll die. Don't even let your livestock touch the mountain that I'm on or they'll die. Why? Because he's holy. He's different. He's other. It's like the sun. If you get too close to the sun, what happens? It's not even you thought about burning. You just were like, you just weren't, you were and then you weren't. That's the same thing with God. He's very different than us. Uh, and dwells in unapproachable light. I mean, the, the prophet, when he sees them, goes, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips from a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the Lord. What's he doing? He's going, I'm going to die because God is holy. So you see God's holiness. You see God's demand that when sin happens, there's got to be death. There's going to be death that happens because of it. So the animal sacrifices, right? And then Jesus shows up, and he goes, God is holy. But you'll never meet the demand, so I'm going to meet it for you. So what, what is God like? And now you're like, well, that's just a house plant. Let's put it on a different level, all right? Uh, can you give me the picture of the two people, please? All right. On one side is a mediocre ball player who thinks he's really good, and on the other side is the goat, all right? So... <laughs> G-O-A-T, the GOAT. I was in a eight, I was in eighth grade. I had a 12-foot-long poster. Guy like this, MJ is the GOAT. All right, we settled it. All right. <laughs> of all the things, I'm like talking about knowing God. He's like, yeah, yeah. And I talk about MJ. He's like, ah! <laughs> Love it. All right, we, we, we found your, we, we, we found your passion point. I like that. All right, so if you all follow Bass, maybe you don't. Tell me something about him. He can handle a ball as if he's writing a poem. Oh, my Lanta. I mean, you can could, could tell me stats, I, I suppose, if you were into that kind of thing, right? You can tell me how tall they are. You can tell me if they've been married or divorced and how many times they've been married and divorced. You can tell me how many kids they have. What, what, what's the cost of their mansion they live in? Last I checked, MJ was selling one of his mansions for like $3 billion. So like, good times for him, right? You can know a lot about him, is the, is the point, right? You can know some details about these dudes. Do you know them? Not, not at all, I hear from another young scholar, right? And we do that with God, don't we? We do that with God. Except when I say that, everybody gets nervous. Like, don't, don't put weight on people not knowing God. I'm like, I can know a lot about a topic. In fact, I went to school to memorize this topic and to conquer the topic that is God, except you can't conquer the topic that is God, but you can know him in a conscious, real, intimate way. And that is different, wholly different than memorizing basketball facts or knowing that that plant is green or tall. Now, is it true that God is holy? Absolutely. Is it true that God is love? Wholehearted, yes. God's faithful. God is just. God is immutable. God is, I mean, all the words that they use, all the omnis and all the other things. But I wanted to talk today about not so much knowing facts about God, but coming into an intimate knowledge of him and meeting him. It's become somewhat of a fascination of mine. Um, and so what I'd like to do is I want to pray because knowing the infinite, holy creator, 
Yahweh, I am God, is a little different than plants and basketball players, right? And you all know what I'm talking about. Because there's moments that you read the word and nothing moved. You read it, as we should, out of discipline, because it's the same reason I go on dates with my wife. I want to set time with God. And then there's other moments where God, who's not like plants or people, somehow infiltrated the room you were in. You ever had that moment? Where it wasn't, oh, I know a fact about you. It was, uh-oh, he's close. And we weren't talking about a fact of holiness. We were talking, I have unholiness on my life, and the holy God's close. That's different, right? And I need you to get that mindset, that we're not talking about memorizing facts. We're talking about a living creator God who comes close and you were made to know and I just as a as a pastor I just don't want us to settle I I don't want you to think oh well Andrew got he's got to be close to God because he's a pastor there's weeks and there's parts of my life I'm gonna share a few of this today where I didn't think he was that close I thought he was very far away but if my belief is the Bible says that we can be close let's be close Let's push for close. Let's not settle for far. And since we're all in different places, let's pray that that holy, infinite God who says the Holy Spirit is among us when we gather, that he would bring a revelation, an illumination. A a revelation would be the word. He would reveal, not to our physical eyeballs or our physical brains, but to our spirit, how real he is, and draw us to himself. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you that you are the living God. And I want everybody in here, like I feel like a jealousness, a love, that they would be drawn by cords of love today to you. And that it wouldn't be about figuring you out, it would be about meeting you in the most intimate, beautiful, holy, spiritual way possible. You are the living God, and there is no other. So I give you the room. It wasn't mine ever to begin with. The Holy Spirit of the living God come and rest on the people. Draw us, God, out of the places we might be hiding. Draw us out of a false knowledge of you to a true knowledge of you. We want to know you. And if that's your heart, just before we start reading Bible, will you tell God, I want to know you? Because some of you came here today, you're not even, you might be really close to giving up on this God thing. Search for him. Humble yourself and say, God, I want to know you. So Lord, we don't come with a lot of words. We just quiet our souls. It's a peculiar thing in this day and age for a room full of people to be quiet. But we acknowledge that in your presence, there's nothing to say. You are holy. Bring it to bear. You are love. Lavish it on the people. You are powerful, present, and all-knowing. You are good. Jesus' name.
Amen. So J.I. Packer, everybody kind of know that name. He wrote a book, Knowing God. Uh, you should read it. Uh, what were we made for? To know God. What aim should I have in life? To know God. What is the eternal life that Jesus gives? To know God. What is the best thing in life? To know God. What in human gives God most? What in humans gives God the most pleasure? Knowledge of Himself. And J.I. Packer was a brilliant and brilliant mind. He passed away not that long ago. Uh, and, and, and these are the thoughts that theologians have pondered. And these are the thoughts of the people of God. Could we know God? And in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. You could know him, but you, he was far off because you were separated. There was a whole curtain. There was a whole temple complex. There was a whole worship structure that said God is there and you're here. And best be glad about that because you'll die if you come close. But at the death of Jesus Christ, what happens to the temple? What happens to the curtain in the temple? What happens to it? Yes, it rips from top to bottom opening up between God and man. And now we're not in the old covenant, we're in the new and better. Which means we get to come into the presence of God. We get to know God, and not by works of our own, but by grace through faith, and that's a gift. And you're like, I know that. Most Christians, they know it, but they don't know it. The gospel is ridiculously scandalous. Okay, everything you know about God, holy other, beautiful, magnificent, fiery, I mean, all that stuff we just talked about, right? That God puts on humanity's flesh. That God is whipped, scourged, spit on, stabbed, and dies. That God. To people who didn't really want him around in the first place. And the whole reason he had to do that is because they wouldn't listen to him. Anybody have kids in the room and they don't listen to you and you're just like, that, on a way bigger scale, right? Where you have holiness and justice and the whole cosmos at play and the God who didn't need anything, who exists and always was and always will be, who spoke and created all things, that little creation, humanity, the pinnacle of his creation goes, we got this. That God died and then rose from the dead and now offers you life eternal that will not end, that will not stop or cease. It'll be fullness of life because that's where life comes from, the one that made it in the first place. And that's amazing. So what's the point of life? No God, J.I. Packer. What's the point of the Christian life? No God. What's the eternal life? Well, John 17 tells us this is eternal life, to know the Father and you, God, whom, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. Eternal life is knowing God. It's not a halo in a diaper with a harp. It's knowing God. It's knowing God. Martin Lloyd-Jones, British theologian, uh, really, he was a reformer, but he believed that the Holy Spirit, we would just revival was needed in the church because we forgot that we could know God. And the revelation is God's presence among the earth right now. Because Jesus is where right now? In heaven at the right hand of the Father, seated down. He's not worried. He's got his feet up waiting for his Father to deliver all the promises. But who was sent? Who did Jesus send to be the presence of God on the earth in the people of God in the church? The Holy Spirit. 
So who do you have, Christian, in you? The Holy Spirit of the living God who is all the omnis. And he's here. Which makes this whole thing a lot more fun than just normal church, right? I'm not asking whether you know things about him, but do you know God? Are you enjoying God? Is God the center of your life, the soul of your being, the source of your greatest joy? He is meant to be. Now, here's the reality. If you would have read that to me probably 10 years ago, I would not have agreed because I was like, yeah, I love God. I have faith in God. Enjoy God? Nah, man. Like center of all I do, I, I got a work life, I got a married life, I got kids life, I got things to do. God, faith is important, it's high. And so as we talk about knowing God, I, I wanted to share a little personal history and then we're gonna go to John three sixteen, the most well-known verse in all of the world, in all of the land. And the church should know that verse, but also should know how to study the word. So if you have a Bible, go to John three sixteen. If you're like, I have it memorized, I would love for you still to open up a physical Bible. I'd love you to commit this verse to memory and not just 16, but 17. So last week, Jeremiah's railing on you guys. I mean, I, I listened to it in podcast form, driving home from vacation, and I thought it was amazing. I thought his balance of word and spirit, which is what we are, a word and spirit church was beautiful. But he started that off with not prophetic gifts or how God speaks audibly or the whole, he started off with, read the Bible. Did you hear that? When he said that, he yelled at you. And I was like, somebody needs to do it. <laughs> read the, you're like, okay, God, lead me. And I'm like, what do you, okay, God, what do you like? Like I can just keep, you know, filling in the blanks, right? Because we do believe that the baseline for knowing God is the revealed word of God. How do I know that I'm full of the Spirit of God? Because the Bible tells me. How do I know to test prophetic utterances? Because the Bible tells me. So if I don't know the Bible, I can't do the Spirit stuff. And if I'm doing the Spirit stuff, you know where it'll lead me? The Bible. It's just a beautiful, like, it just fits all so perfectly together. And so I wanted to do a verse that see, people seem to think they know. John 3, 16. Y'all know it? Can you say it? For God... <laughs> I get nervous too. I'm probably sweating. Yep, I get nervous. <laughs> but can you recall before we talk about how God saves people, which is what John 3.16 is, it's a conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus late at night. Because Nicodemus didn't want to be seen with Jesus. And he begins to ask him questions like, teacher, we know that if you can do this stuff, like, you know, heal people, and, and really raise people from the dead, you, you gotta be something cool. And Jesus begins to explain to him, hey, if you can't understand physical things like the wind blowing, you're not gonna be able to understand the kingdom of God and being born again. And so when we talk about knowing God, can we stop talking as scholars for a second and talk as lovers? I did this a couple weeks ago and I still, do you remember when God got your attention? Do you remember? And was it because you were sitting in a class and someone exegeted perfectly some verb tense in Greek? Probably not. Maybe. Praise God. Wasn't like that for me. I was 17. I had done all the things you're not supposed to do. And I got shipped off to camp to fix me. 
and I fought hard not to get fixed. And I was around a campfire, and a person told me, John 3, 16, and told me the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God had become man and died, and that any sins and any background I had could be washed clean, and I could be made new. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, but not for this guy. And I walked away from that campfire, and I was 20 yards away, and God showed up. And he went, Andrew. And it wasn't out loud. It was like to my like, heart, to like, wow, what is that? I, you know what the world offers. And I did. And you know what I offer. Choose. And it wasn't like, I de- you'll choose right now. It was like, choose. It was like a, a beckoning. It was like, come here. And that night changed my life. And I went home and I burned all my drugs and all my stuff and my rap CDs. I made jokes about that. Tupac got burned that day. So it's like, I understand. Like, in my life, that was the calling of God. That's when my life with God, I started to know him. And up to that point, I went to church camps before. I went to all the Sunday schools and the felt boards. And I had knowledge of God. I had knowledge of God that day. Everything changed. Like literally, I, 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 my affections for things of the earth went away. I didn't want them. I wanted God. I ran through the halls of my high school carrying a Bible, yelling at people that Jesus was real and could save them and was better than any drug they could ever do. I got coined Bible boy, and I was like, yeah, I am. Right? Yeah, I am. I started debating teachers. Like My science teachers hated me. I was just like, evolution's not real. I mean, like, all that stuff, right? And I was in love with the Son of God. I was in love with him. I had never known anything better. And he freed me from years of slavery. And then I was like, okay, well, now I got to get serious, so I'm going to go to school. And I went to school, and I tried to master the topic of God. And I, I got the Greek, and I got the Hebrew a little bit. I quit Hebrew because it's hard, um, really hard. But I memorized systematic theology, and I started, what started to happen is I went from a true, genuine, sitting with God, loving him, to, I'm going to figure you out. And there wasn't anything wrong with that. It was out of a genuine desire, but I spent those years, like around 24, was I want to know, I want a knowledge of God. I want to know how he works, and if, if he's kind of explained to us how he works, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn it. Some of you are here. I love it. Because where does it start in a relationship? When you're getting into a relationship with a girl, guys, how does it start? Well, you start learning that she really likes pizza, so you just start showing up like a goofball with a heart-shaped pizza. Right? Starts with friendship. And you do learn facts. You learn that her eyes are green, and she's five foot three, and she's fiery and feisty, and she'll fight you. I'm talking about a real person. Um... <laughs> Right? You start learning that, yeah, they like pizza or they don't like asparagus or Brussels sprouts are a no-no or like, hey, this is when their birthday is. This is their favorite place on earth. This is what they feel when they do this. You start learning about them and that doesn't mean you actually know them on a deep level, but you do know stuff about them. That's how it starts with God too. It's the same thing. I know stuff about them. And then there, there's the, I wanted to know God and I met him. And so then I was like, I want to learn about you. And I spent those years Learn and I loved it, guys. I really loved it. And then around around age thirty, I was pastoring here and I was preaching, and it was about a seven year stretch 
where I would have told you I had mastered the knowledge. I hadn't left the idea that God was close, but it just felt like I had summarized faith into, I believe in the orthodox creeds, I'll be faithful to preach the truth. And I always told people during my 30s, about to about 35, that no, my, my faith was like, I pictured, you know, like rock climbers with their gnarly hands and chalk. Like I had dug my hands into the rock of faith. And I believed. But it was getting hard. Because it was rooted in, I can tell you why evolution's wrong, and I can tell you the five points of Calvinism, and I can tell you, but my heart, you know what it was longing for? 17-year-old Andrew, when God came close. But I wouldn't told you that. I said, really what I need is I need to go back and get a deeper understanding of the temple mechanics. What I, yeah, I needed God. And I had him, and I always, he's never left me. But it started with this love affair and the things of the world went away and I fell in love with Jesus and then it moved to knowledge and then it moved to faith. Uh, and then at 35, and this is the reality of our lives with God, of knowing God, it's different for everybody in this room. So I can't make a recipe for you. Does that make sense? And a lot of times when we talk about, well, that person knows God and they tell you how you got there, you're like, well, I'll just mimic that. That's not how this works. You're dealing with a living holy, real God. You don't boil him down to a recipe because if you do, you get a genie. And he ain't a genie. He's alive. And the good news is he's not hiding. He has revealed how to find him. But what humans need to be reminded is, hey, get after him. Stop settling. You were made to be close to God. And so around 35, I had spent a few seven years just with my faith-gripped knuckles. And anybody that came in, asked me theological questions, I'd be like, here's where you're right and here's where you're wrong. And out of the blue, I just became very hungry for God. I just really wanted to be with God. I was like, all right, God, if the summary of this is we come in here every Sunday wearing a nice collared shirt and we all say, blessed to be a blessing, brother, and we give hard sermons and then everyone goes and then lives their life normally, I don't want it. I want you. And you read the Bible and when God shows up, everything changes. You read the early New Testament and if you lie, Ananias and Sapphira in the company of God's people, you die. That would change this meeting a little bit, right? If like, you were like, God's there. Be careful what you say. It would change how we gather. If God was the center of this thing, and so I just, it all started with just one very weak but very persistent thing. I want to know you. And I just started beating on the door. I want to know you. 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 And I began to read the Bible like furiously and read the words of Jesus. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. And so he started to show off places that I needed to get rid of me. And I started to just get rid of the things of the world. And I, I got off social media. I stopped drinking. I stopped working out. I was like, all right, God, I want to find you. And I want to find you like I did at 17. And I want to live there. And it was a good three, maybe four, maybe five, six months. It was a while. It wasn't like I was like, hey, God. And he was like, yes, sir. 
And it was like, I'm tired and I want to know that you're real. Will you show me you're real? Will you show me you're real? And then God, just through a crazy series of events, which I've talked about before, began to break into my life. And I would have all these weird moments where I was like, oh my gosh, he's close. Really close, guys. Where I would feel prompted to go pray and then someone would show up and say, I, the, I was supposed to come here because God told me to, to tell the person who was praying in the woods this. And it just like freaked me out. But then it also made me go, wait, maybe this God who is holy and all the omnis is really actually knowable. And maybe I'm not just a moralistic deist anymore. If you don't know what that is, that means you change up your morals, but God's just an active force somewhere out there. That's deism. We are not deists. We are theists. God lovers and chasers. That's what we are. The good news is God came for us in Jesus. And so God showed up in my life and it led to some encounters that I can't shake. And I don't think that means you have to have the encounter. You don't have to shake or fall or do anything. But what I would say is, are you hungry and searching for him? Or have you settled? Because I settled for many years and it will require one thing, maybe two. Are you ready? Do you want to know God? Maybe some of you are like, I don't, what are you going to do? Hit me in the forehead? I'm not going to touch you. It requires humility and lowliness. I've met so many young men who have their nice suits, ooh, and they have all the right answers, but they don't have God. They don't have him because they never met him. They memorized facts about him. And Renny, when you come to God and you're like, you're holy and you're good and you're pure and you're faithful and there are all the things that scripture reveals, it, re it requires one response, humble. I'm not you. I'm not you, help me. I need help. And that is the number one thing limiting some of you in this room. You won't ask for help. You won't cry out for salvation. You won't even take the moment to stop watching the TV long enough to ask God to save your soul because you're medicating. You're trying to avoid. You're trying to hide from a God who can't be hidden from and he knows you. And this is why Jesus Christ came to find you. And so John 3:16 says very clearly, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life, everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. That right there, put it to memory, write it on your heart. And don't just like put it on a cardboard sign and go to a WWF match. Like that's not what we're talking about. WWE, what is it? I don't, yeah, thanks man, I appreciate it. But Jeremiah talked about getting the word, getting the word. And I feel like I heard this reply like, I don't know how, I don't know how. Let me show you, okay? So let's just say tomorrow you get into Bible reading and you're in the gospel of John and you start reading, you're reading John 3. You get into verse 16 and 17. This is exactly how I would do it. I would look for the big key words and I look for repeating words immediately. It's just how my brain's been trained. Like, so I'm looking for things like, all right, 
for God. What's the whole context of this the whole chapter? Well, Jesus is in a conversation with Nicodemus. Who's Nicodemus? He's a ruling Pharisee. He knows all the rules. He also knows that something's different about this Jesus. And he says, how can we be saved? And Jesus says, unless a man is born again, he cannot see or come into the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus is a smart, learned guy. He goes, how's that going to happen? Am I supposed to like go back in my mom's womb and come do this thing again? And you can just see Jesus, like I'm pretty sure he probably eye rolled. Like pretty sure the son of God's got a sarcastic, like he says humor. And he was probably just like, come on guy. He had to laugh a little bit like no Nicodemus. The things of God aren't physical, they're spiritual. And unless the spirit of God comes and makes a man or a woman new from the inside out and makes them born again, they will never be born again. Not by outward works of the law, not by sacrificing animals, not by having the right amount of tassels on your robe, not by tapping the Torah when you walk in the door, not enough milk and honey in the world to cleanse you. Don't forget about crack. I love this feedback right now. I actually like feedback. I was a youth pastor for a few years. I, have, I, I, got, I got ADD, so like kids making noise, I'm just like, you. I, just, I love it. Jesus shows up and he says, for God so loved the world, Nicodemus, that he gave his only son. Who's sitting in front of Nicodemus? The son, the son of God who the father gave. And if you really want to study scripture, you start with the very, for who? Who's the first word? For who? God. What's he like? And Jesus' understanding of God would have been Yahweh. I am God. Yahweh. That's how it would be. It's like a breathing noise. The one who is uncreated, holy, beautiful, makes covenant with the people of Israel, God. That's the God that Jesus is talking for, God. What did God do? Well, God so loved the world. That right there is what's God's motivation in sending the Son? One word, love. What is God doing right now actively to the earth trying to pursue them? He's loving them. For God so loved the world. And then you talk about the world and the operating systems of the world, even how corrupt it is in D.C., even how broken it is in the desperate areas of the earth. God so loved the world. So you don't get to go, well, God so loved the city-state of Jerusalem. No. Well, God really likes Ohio. No, God loved the world. All of it and all its brokenness and all its people groups and all the shades and all, the, all of it. For God so loved the world that he gave. Verse 17 says it's not just given. So the Father loves the Son. And this is the, be the beautiful thing about God is I can't explain the Trinity to you. You know why? Because there's mystery in God. Because if you can explain God, he's not God. But what you see is the Father loves the Son. You see this at Jesus' baptism. The skies open up, the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove, and a voice, the Father says, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. So the Father gives the Son, and the verse 17 tells us, the God did not send, and so the Son was sent by the Father to do what? That whoever, all right, 
What's the word whoever mean? Who's that incorporate? Who's that include? Everybody. Everybody. Kids, can you be saved by Jesus? 85-year-olds, can you be saved by Jesus? Ex-cons, can you be saved by Jesus? There's not a person in this room who can't be saved by Jesus. Whoever is it very inclusive. But you'll notice that it's not whoever wants to come to any way they want to God. It's whoever comes and does a very certain thing with the living Son of God. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so you get to this idea of believing. In the Jewish realm of belief, they're going to talk about your heart, believing in your heart, as not a just a, a mental cognitive ascent, but the whole fiber of your being, mind, body, and soul, coming into agreement that the Son of God had to die for me because I couldn't be holy without him. And that I will gladly come under the lordship of God on high because I was made to be there, but I rebelled from that place and Jesus brings me back. That's belief in Jewish realm. Belief in normal American life is, well, I think it's a true fact and I don't want to go to hell, so yeah, Jesus. And I feel guilty enough that I'll go to church every Sunday, but no lordship and no submission. But belief in this verse means so much more than just saying it's, it's a true thing. It means coming into agreement and alignment with the things of God. Whoever believes should not perish. So if you do not believe, what happens? You perish. But will have eternal life. And this is why the death of God's people is not a sad thing. It's a victory. It's a rejoicing. We still struggle with it, and it can hurt. For God did not send his son into the world to what? To condemn the world. But what did God come to do? To save it through him. This is the gospel. This is the door to know God. Do you want to know God? Then you'll need to humble yourself, get low, and come and repent of your sin and believe in Jesus. And if you're in this room, you're like, I've done that. Then you're, you're clean. And the road, the path to God is open. Except so often we're told, well, he'll forgive your sins, but don't, don't look for him in everyday life. No, look for him in everyday life. He'll go on. He starts John 1 talking about receiving and believing. If Jesus knocked on the door of your house tonight, I've said this before, you're at, you're at home tonight eating teriyaki chicken. I don't know. Drink, drinking a nice Chardonnay or something. And you hear a, and it's Jesus. What do you do? Doesn't matter. So what time is it? Well, it's 642. Uh, no, I mean, like, if, if Jesus Christ himself, God himself, opened, uh, my mic's being dumb again today, knocks on your door and you open the door, what do you do? Well, you probably say, well, I got to get to my meal. My kids got to get to bed. I really want to catch that next episode. And I really have a few hours of scrolling before I can really fall asleep well. And you wait. And you're like, no, that's not supposed to be the response. 
but that is the response that we live. But if we want to believe the Bible, then knowing God is available right now. And when you get home, it's available then. And the reality is he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. That is true. That is true, because even when I ignore him one week, the moment I turn back to him, he's there. Because he's gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. But what I want to remind you of is he's findable. And how do I know that? Well, Hebrews eleven six 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe he exists, and he rewards those who seek him. God rewards those who seek him. Jeremiah once said, You'll find me when you search for me with your whole heart. Jesus talked about knocking and the door will get opened. Ask and you, I mean, seek and you'll find. And the church kind of like, I think we settled for like, I'll take salvation, but I got the rest. And I'm like, well, the rest is God. So if you don't have God, what do you have? Really nothing. And so my favorite quote, it's at the front of my journal, probably in the front of this Bible. Yep. It's from a guy named A.W. Tozer. I love Tozer. And then we're going to worship. We're going to seek God. And I believe he's going to show up. I don't control him because I'm not him, but I do know him. And he loves to save people. So team, you can come up, but A.W. Tozer said, it is not mere words that nourish the soul, but God himself. And unless and until the hearers find God in personal experience, they are not the better for having heard the truth. The Bible is not an end to itself. It is a means to bring men to an intimate and satisfying knowledge of God, that they may enter into him, that they may delight in his presence, that they may taste and know the inner sweetness of the very God himself in the core and the center of their hearts. This is the reality of the New Testament Christian. Why can a New Testament Christian watch their loved ones be fed to lions and go, it is well with my soul? Because there's an inner sweetness. They have tasted and they have seen that the Lord is good. They didn't memorize facts. They met a person. And so what we're going to do, we're going to respond to John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his son. Whoever believes in him, whoever comes to him, whoever receives him, who opens the door and goes, get in here, Jesus. And here's the thing. During that, that faith time of my life, I, like, I just want you to picture this. It wasn't all sweet times. It was times of devotion. It was times of setting a table for the Lord and being like, I hope he shows up. I don't control him. But I love when God's presence shows up. And it's real. And some of you, you are, you are starving. You are thirsty. You are literally parched. But you have a river of goodness waiting for you. If you would seek him. If you would humble yourself under the hand of God, who is all the omnis, calls all the attributes we could ever memorize, and more. We don't have them figured out. So when the greatest theologian gets to heaven, you know what happens to their jaw? It falls. And they go, I went, I fell short. I didn't get who you were. 
Every one of them. Even Tozer. But what I love about Tozer is Tozer loved to be with God. He would miss preaching appointments because he was on his face meeting with God. And we need men and women who know God in the earth right now. Your kids don't need you to memorize Bible verses and religious them. They need you to know God. They need you to bring his presence into the rooms at night when they're having bad dreams and go, we know Jesus and he's alive and he'll help. They need uh, your work people. They need you to be people of the presence of God, not people that know law. Whoa, I feel something. We need to be people that remember that it's not just fact. I will memorize the facts, guys. I memorize the facts. I wanted to fall in love with God but he's knowable. Can we seek after him right now? And so the band's gonna play and we're not gonna say goodbye today. Meaning there won't be a time where we're like, and this concludes our services. We just don't do that. Why? Because God's alive. And if he wants to deal with you, I would let him. And if he wants you to receive prayer, he'll put a weight on you and you'll be like, I, I found myself at the altar all of a sudden. So if you need to stay here a while and worship and pray and repent and seek after God, do it. He's better than anything. And he's come after you in Jesus Christ. And the cross stands as a reminder that nothing you did can separate you from him. But you must come to him. Can we pray? And then seek God. So the prayer team, all that stuff's going to happen. Prayer teams will be up here. Come get prayer from them. Come kneel right here and give God pure worship. God, we love you, and I thank you for your word. And it's simple and sweet. For God, our God, and Father in heaven, so loved the world that he gave his only son. And that you, Jesus, you are the son, and you are perfect and spotless, the lamb that takes away the sins of the earth. Thank you for giving the son, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for being faithful to die and live a life we couldn't live. Thank you that when we come to you, our sins are forgiven and we are made new and born again. I pray people would be born again in this room, that the Spirit of God would come now and put a weight and a fire upon the people in this church, that we wouldn't be people of just knowledge, but that our hearts and our heads and our whole being would know you. We come to you now. And I lean into your word because it's true. You spoke it. That if we seek you, you're a rewarder of those who seek you. And I've known long enough that you are the reward. You're the treasure we're after. We're not after blessing. We're not after what you can do. We're after you. So come now, Lord, and draw men and women to yourself. We come out of hiding because we weren't hiding to begin with. And I ask for the holiness and the power and the fire of God. I ask that this would become a room that is like holy ground where Moses had to take his shoes off. I ask that we would not take lightly your promises, but that we would enter in. Would you draw us, God? We want you.
We want you, and we want you. So stay or go or sit or kneel or cry or hands in the air. You do what you got to do, church. Let's seek the Lord and worship Him. I hope today's message has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you would like more information, you can find us at www.cobblestonechurch.com. Have a great week and God bless.